Proverbs chapter 25, um, uh, verse 13. Okay, so what is a trustworthy messenger? Someone who's reliable. Someone who is not going to make you cringe when you think about how they have been doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, as ice, as an ice cold drink refreshes a person on a hot day. Anybody know what that feels like? Well, it feels good, doesn't it? So is a faithful worker to his employer. Just as an a, a ice cold drink is a good, nice refreshment on a hot day, so is a faithful worker to his employer. Um, many people complain about the kind of workers they have today. Uh, this is talking about the kind of employer that refreshes an employee. Employees you can really trust are usually hard to find, very difficult to find. Faithful employees are invaluable because they help relieve their employer of some of the pressures uh, that they experience that come along with business in general. People in business often have many pressures. Uh, and they do that by doing a number of things that they're supposed to do that not many people think are normal in this day and age, and that is being punctual. You know how many times we hear employees talking about people being late? Uh, being punctual, being responsible, honest, hardworking. Okay, all of those things are a blessing to an employer. Believe it or not, they are blessing. They, they, they decrease the pressure. They make things a little bit better for the employer. And so the application then is make your employer's job easier by finding out what they need from you to make their job less demanding and just simply do it. That's the application that we get from this particular verse. And it sounds simple and straightforward but many employers find it very, very difficult that that is not happening for them. And, uh, and so many times you see a, a, a rapid turnover, you know, and you could just, you could, you could notice a person's uh, habit by just uh, occasionally seeing what they do. You know, in, in the area that I work, uh, I'm in my office on the second floor, and uh, I'm facing the, the window and the door, I can see as people come and go, come and go, who work in that particular complex. You know, and sometimes I wonder, boy, I wonder what time they're supposed to be at work. You know, when I see them coming in at certain times, you know, the normal hours would go worth it, nine to five or eight to five. And, and I, there's a church, there's a church right opposite. If I turn on the, the, the uh, monitor on my walks, we have a monitor on the wall. So when people come and they ring the doorbell, it comes on, you can actually see who it is. And then you can talk to them without opening the door which I do a lot because, you know, you get a, people, a lot of people come around there and they want this and they want that. And, and so I don't, I don't actually open the door. When they ring the doorbell, I look up at the monitor and I can see them. And I say, yes, can I help you? And, uh, and they, you know, and they start to talk. And I said, well, you know, I'm sorry, we can't help you. Or what you're looking for is next door. You know, but um, there's a church, Mount Horeb, Baptist Church is right across and um, I think they have a young lady who works in the office. And uh, by going in and out, I, am, I assume that her work hours are 
10 to 4. Because normally as I move back and forth, I normally see her coming in at 10 o'clock and, and leaving at 4. But boy, but she's been not keeping them hours. Now, I don't know uh, if she has somebody there. I know occasionally I see another lady who comes in this uh, BMW, and I assume she's probably uh, the pastor's wife or somebody. But, you know, uh, but I said, boy, I wonder what, what the hours are. Because sometimes she comes, uh, sometimes she shows up a little before uh, 10, other times it's after 10, and then sometimes she shows up like half an hour late and then leave early. I said, boy, I wonder what I should tell on her. But who knows? She may have extra hours, I don't know, I don't know. But it just came to mind as, as we talked about this because uh, there are a lot of people who don't keep the kind of hours that they're expected to keep, especially if they don't have a boss looking over their shoulders. So it's something that we need to think about because remember, there's a passage that says, when we work, we ought to work as unto the Lord. You see, the boss may not be there work watching you, but the Lord is watching. You know? You should do well for that person also. Amen. You know, mm-hmm. encourage them. Mm-hmm. Take of right. Amen. So we we see another piece of wisdom here that relates to employer-employee relationship. Uh, chapter uh, verse fourteen. Know anybody like that? Tall on promises and short on delivery, eh? A lot of people like anyone who promises something but doesn't deliver. It's like ever see you 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 uh you want rain. You really need rain. You got you probably do gardening or planting and all that stuff and hasn't rained for a while and you want some rain to come to refresh your stuff and all of a sudden you look up and the clouds are building up and say, Whoa boy, we're gonna get some rain. You know, and then it doesn't come. Disappointed, right? That's what he's talking about here. A person who promises gifts but doesn't deliver is like clouds and wind that bring no rain. Disappoint you, let you down. And uh, we see this happening a lot in uh, ministries that go on in the church. Uh, missions organizations, Christian groups and organizations, uh, people promise gifts uh, to, for the ministry to go on. And uh, sometimes they don't fulfill those promises. They fail to come through. And there's no lack of clarity in the Bible about the kind of consequences that this has on the persons who are engaged in ministry. You know, if a certain amount is promised and it's not delivered, then that ministry is going to be affected in some way. And so it's something to think about. And the, part, the, the application then for us here is to keep your promise if you make a pledge. Uh, don't fall through on it. Because God is a witness to that promise. Okay, verse 15. Patience can persuade a person. Soft speech can break up. Okay. A prince will be persuaded by gentleness and patience more often than being aggravated and irritated. A gentle or soft answer can accomplish a whole lot more than breaking bones. Uh, you know, sometimes people think that you can, you need to break some bones to get something done or get person to listen. But the, this passage tells us that being gentle and patient, 
soft speech can often accomplish a whole lot more than having to exert yourself, get excited, get bent out of shape, and then you end up in worse shape than the person that you're trying to deal with uh, because uh, of nerves and all that stuff. And so a general answer, patience and the way we speak is important. Verse 16. If you have found honey, eat only enough for you, that you have your fill of it and vomit it. Okay. What do they say? Too much of a good thing is good for nothing? Okay, and honey is no exception. If taken in moderation. Okay, sometimes people like stuff and they go and they gorge on it. They eat a whole lot of it. And, uh, and then they pay the price. Uh, the point of this proverb is simple. We should eat to live and not live to eat. Eat to live and not live to eat. Some people only live to eat. They always want to eat. Okay, they eat anything that doesn't eat them first. Okay. Verse 17. Don't you just love the word of God? <laughs> it covers everything, doesn't it? It covers everything. How we are to eat, and then it tells you don't go in your neighbor's house too much. Okay? Moderate, what he's saying is moderation is just as applicable for visiting as it is for eating. Okay? Don't wear out your welcome. Alright. <laughs> okay, when you go to someone's home, you, you, you need to know when it's important to leave. Otherwise, you stay welcome. And when they see you come in, they lock the door, pretend they're not home. Because they know when you get in there, you don't, you don't want, know when to leave. Okay, so the, the word covers everything. Pretty straightforward. And this is a part of living by wisdom as well. Okay, There's, there'll probably be a time when you're really going to need to go to that, that neighbor. And when they see you coming, because they know what your reputation is, when you do come, you're not going to be welcomed. Okay, verse 18. Telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe, wounding them with a sword, or shooting them with a sharp arrow. Do we think about lies like that? Do we? You know, when a person tells a lie about someone or on someone, they don't think about the serious damage that it can do. And this proverb tells us how serious damage can be done by lying on a person. You know, for, for the person who's telling the lie, it don't mean anything. It's harmless for them as far as, far as they're concerned. But for the person who is the victim, it's harmful. It's like, you ever been hit with a club? Anybody ever got hit with a club? You know how painful that could be. Beating and smashing to pieces, that's what clubs are intended to do. Okay, to beat something or to smash something. And then there's a sword, it has two edges. So it's not like, you know, only one edge is going to be harmful. Both edges. Okay, and then there's the sharp owl which talks about the stabbing or piercing wound of being stabbed with something. We call it juk. And juk with something. <laughs> but lies juk. Exactly. And that has happened so many times. You know, a person goes and they 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 they, they 
they so want to spread it that they tell the person that they're talking to what they feel, but you never said. Okay? They, it's something that they feel about you, but they say the other person said it. So they add it to what the other person says. And then the person who, who is hearing it thinks that it's coming from you, and actually it's them. And so we need to be careful about that as well. So lying about someone is as vicious as physical violence. You need to think about that. We may not be violent people, but if you're lying about someone, you're just as violent as a person who is prone to violence, physical violence. Its effects can be as permanent as an injury. Damage that is inflicted on a person physically is the kind of impact that lying can have. And so the point is the next time you're tempted to spread a piece of gossip, Imagine yourself cutting the victim with your remarks. Imagine cutting them with a, a sword or hitting them with a bat, stabbing them with an arrow. And you may be shocked into keeping your mouth shut when you think of that image. Exactly. That's right. Verse 19. Confidence is So now we're talking about reliability, uh, persons who are dependable, people who, who you can count on, people who you can trust. And notice what he likens it to. Notice what he compares it to. And both are very, very painful. If you've ever experienced it, the pain of taking a hard bite with a broken tooth. Ever that experience? Well, there's no pain like that. Or putting your normal weight on a foot that is injured, out of joint, a disjointed foot. Both are just as much as that foot. That foot that you try to put weight on that is out of joint, it, that foot will let you down. The other foot will hold you up, but that one is going to let you down. And this is what he's talking about. How unreliable, what a letdown a person is whom we put confidence in, uh, who can't be trusted. Unreliability. Painful and disappointing is exactly what both experiences are like. To depend on an unreliable person, especially in difficult times, in troublesome times, in trying times, when you really, really need someone that you can rely on and depend upon. So be careful who you put your confidence in. That's the point. Uh, verse 20. One who takes away a garment on a cold day, but like vinegar poured on soda, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. Hmm. Talking about people who don't know what to say uh, at, at particular times. There's nothing more unwelcomed, irritating, and infuriating as singing songs to a heavy heart person in sorrow, having a hard time, and, uh, and you go and you say the wrong thing. I saw something on the Facebook the other day, this person who was supposed to make some remarks, and he didn't know what to say, and he boy started crying. Probably be better to cry than to say something that, that um, will be out of place. And so it's as inappropriate as taking away a person's coat in cold weather. And we know what that is like, right? When a person needs something to keep them warm and comfortable, and you take it away, you do them a great discomfort. And that's what he's saying. This is 
This is likened to a singing heart, singing uh, cheerful songs to a heavy heart, or pouring vinegar on a wound. Well, we can imagine what that is like, even if it's not happened to us. We can imagine what vinegar, vinegar the, the, the power of vinegar on a wound. Hmm? Like Job's yeah. Oh yeah, like Job's like Job friends is right. Okay, they were more added insult to injury is what we do. Uh, verses 21 and 22. If the enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will keep burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Where do we remember this from? Who said this? Hmm? Romans, Paul. Romans, Paul, Paul, Paul said this in Romans chapter 10, chapter 12, verse 20. But this is where Paul got it from. You see, that quote is not uh, uh, Paul's quote in Romans. That's Proverbs. Paul got that from Solomon. Now, many times we read it in the Gospels and we think it's something that Paul said. But this is where Paul got it. Notice it's the identical quote that we see in Romans because this is where Paul got it from. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. Okay? Which is contrary to what normal, what, what, what people would naturally do. Okay? If a person has an enemy, all they want for that enemy is for that enemy to hurt as much as that enemy has inflicted some kind of a hurt on them. Okay? So it's, it's out of the norm to expect a person who has an enemy to treat them good. And so he says, listen, if your enemy is hungry, don't say that's good for them to wish they die. No, you feed them. Okay, in other words, the hunger of your enemy is not an opportunity to, for you to exert your vengeance, which is what, what a lot of people do. Okay, they can't wait for something to happen to somebody who, who, who hurt them so that they can sit back and laugh and have fun and enjoy it. Okay, but that's not what the Bible tells us that we ought to do. Okay, and, and again, it shows us how Christians are supposed to be so different. Remember when the Bible says, if anyone be in Christ, he is a, what kind of creation? New. But to inflict harm on your enemies when they need help, that's the old person. That's not the new person. Okay, that's an opportune time for us to show the kind of new creation that we are. Well, you know what's going to happen to that person? That enemy? More than likely, it'll get changed. Because they'll see that you have changed. You're not that old person they knew. And that's going to prompt them, boy, what kind of change happened? What happened to you? And that's the door open right there for you. To present the gospel. To share Christ with them. So that they can have an opportunity. Well, there's a story here about that. Um, what Paul quotes here, by repaying wrongdoing or rudeness, with kindness, we can defeat good. And that's what we do. Not only we defeat good, but we open the door for the individual to come to Christ. Here's a story. A new Christian, this is a new convert, new believer, was confronted by a furious neighbor who blasted her with a violent outburst about the Christian lady's five-year-old daughter crushing the flowers in her garden, broken a window, and doing some other mischief. Well, what, what do you expect of five-year-olds? That's what they do, right? <laughs> well, 
This woman was so upset, she blasted this Christian woman. And when the furious neighbor finally stopped to catch her breath, the Christian lady invited her to her home to discuss the issue, or discuss the things that she was making noise about. Uh, when the neighbor got to the house, she saw that the table had been set for coffee and pastries. So she said, oh, you have in company, I'm sorry, I'll come back later. No, the Christian woman replied. I thought we could talk about my daughter's behavior over a cup of coffee, some pastries. So when the Christian uh, lady gave thanks for the food and asked God for wisdom, after she opened her eyes, the neighbor was weeping. She was all in tears, crying. And um, she said to the woman, it's not your daughter, it's mine. I don't know why I lashed out at you. I just can't deal with my children, my husband, and my home. And as soon as the neighbor said that, the young Christian began sharing Christ with her. Within six weeks, the neighbor and her whole family got saved. Okay, so that proves the point of what, what Paul is saying here, or what Proverbs is saying here about your enemies. Okay, be careful how we treat them, because they are prospective new converts. We don't see them like that. Okay, we see them as a person who just gets under my skin and rubs me the wrong way. Okay, but we treat every enemy as a prospective perspective new convert, new believer. So what do you say? If your enemy is hungry, feed them. Give them something to eat. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Because you will heap coals of shame on their heads. And the Lord is going to reward you for it. But you could win a soul while you're doing it. Okay, so while God's type of retaliation is not easy to do, and that's not easy, by the way, we must say that, because a lot of us have been through that experience where people do some things to us that hurt us so, so much, so bad, that you couldn't even think about doing anything good for them. Okay, all you want for them is to, for them to suffer. You want them to hurt like they cause you to hurt, right? That's not God's type of retaliation. God's type of retaliation is not easy, but it's effective. It's the most effective. And uh, God is going to bless you for it. And so follow what Paul repeats from the Proverbs. Okay, verses 19 and 20. And then we're going to stop. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, no, no, no. I had, I had another verse here that we wanted to, that I wanted to share. Um, and that is as Proverbs 19 uh, to 21. Uh, oh, that's the, part, that's the passage that Paul quotes. Uh, it's the same verse. Uh, but Jesus, Jesus also did the same thing uh, in Matthew 5.44. Uh, what does he say? He says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Or those who persecute you. So when we return good for evil, we accept God as the one who balances all of the accounts and trust him alone as the judge. So the point is, we Paul repeats what Proverbs says, but Jesus also says the same thing uh, in his ministry about how we are to treat our enemies. 
So that one is just by the way. Okay, now we go to verse 23. As surely as the north wind brings rain, so a gossiping tongue causes anger. Well, there's that gossip issue again. Can't get rid of that, eh? You know, because that's why, you know why people do it a lot. And um, it happens a lot among God's people. And so he's not going to let that, that gossip issue die. As surely as an orbit brings rain, a backbiting tongue causes anger. Of course, what kind of reaction would you expect from a backbiting tongue other than anger? The anger almost certainly comes from the victim of gossip and it should also come from anyone else who hears the gossip. In other words, the person who hears gossip should be just as angry as the victim of gossip. So if we hear somebody gossiping about somebody else, we should be just as angry as the victim. Okay, that's what he's saying. Backbiters would go out of business in no time at all if people who hear the gossip would just rebuke them. They will cease and desist. Anytime you hear gossip about somebody, you get on the gossiper's case. And you put them out of business in no time. Because they know that uh, for you, what they're saying is not a juicy piece of gossip like some people like to have. It's a rebuke. It's, 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 it's unacceptable. Okay, uh, we can stop there because our time is gone. But I believe we get the point that uh, Proverbs is giving us today about how we are to exercise wisdom and how we are to apply wisdom in various aspects of our daily lives. Things that we run into, that we do every single day, requires us to use the wisdom of God to deal with it. And that is so important. Amen? Okay, Father, we thank you again for the opportunity that we've had to hear from you and to see how we can make your wisdom applicable in our daily lifetime experiences that we have here on earth, especially with those that are considered our enemies and how we ought to treat them and the kind of outcome that can result that can be a blessing to both and a joy to your heart because you know we know that the angels rejoice when sinners come to salvation and so we pray Lord that you would help us to apply the wisdom that you have conveyed to us today and that you've reminded us of and that you would get glory in the final analysis. We pray, Father, for your continued blessings as we go into the service this morning. Pray, Lord, that you would continue to have your way in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, and God, all God's people said, Amen. Amen.